March 5th, 2020, Nanaimo, British Columbia. I am pleased to welcome Nanaimo, British Columbia, and Sir Oxman Stadium to play host to the 13th team in the West Coast League. Nanaimo Baseball, from the coal mines of Douglas in East Wellington, to number six in Jingle Pot, from Departure Bay to Nanaimo Harbor, Gabriola, Wellington, Cassidy, and Extension. This is their story. This is Cobalt. Welcome to inning two of Cobalt. In this inning, we're going to focus in on the early history of baseball and its founding in Nanaimo, British Columbia. For many, the earliest known mention of baseball derives from the diary of a Princeton University student who describes playing baseball in 1786. Henry Chadwick, a British-born sports writer, first published an article in 1903 speculating that baseball had derived from an English game called Rounders, which he played as a youth in England. The first team to ever play the game of base under the modern rules is is believed to have been the New York Knickerbockers, a club founded on September 23, 1845. Early baseball would be known by many names, such as town ball, baseball, Goal ball, round ball, fletch ball, stool ball, or simply base. On an interesting note, one version of the game had the players running in the opposite direction, with teams pitching to themselves and runners being put out by being hit by the ball. From there, the game of base would spread. A Welsh immigrant by the name of Joseph Thyrus Planta on September 26, 1876, organized the first recorded baseball club in Nanaimo. But in order to get to know baseball in Nanaimo, we need to get to know the founder himself, Joseph Fires Planta. Joseph Fires Planta was born in Wales on April 4th, 1846. He immigrated to Australia where he married Margaret Stacy. He moved to British Columbia in 1870 with Margaret and their 11-year-old son, Edward. He taught school in New Westminster, was vice principal for a time at Victoria College, and a few years later, after having been the vice principal at Victoria College, he picked his family up and they moved to Nanaimo. In the fall of 1875, he was appointed principal of the new school on Crace Street. The school was Nanaimo's first public school building. It was constructed at the cost of $2,500, and Bruno Maledo designed the school. Mr. Planta was, na- was appointed the stipendary magistrate for Vancouver Island in 1888, and also Nanaimo police magistrate on 1 July 1894. His salary was approximately $1,000 per annum. He was also the secretary of the Literary Institute, not to mention he was also the secretary of the Court Nanaimo Foresters Home Number 5886. And among many other things, he was a coroner. There was a downfall to Mr. Planta. It was alleged that he had agreed to let the city council waive his salary and to accept in lieu thereof such costs as he might collect in the cases he tried. He denied that such an agreement existed. However, County Court Judge Eli Harrison, the commissioner appointed in December 1894 to inquire into Planta's conduct, reported 21 different points. They included his role in illegal proceedings, 
poor or non-existent record keeping practices and the illegal and an illegal agreement. Isn't this pretty crazy, Travis? Totally crazy. Talking about his wife, Margaret Stacy Plana, there was a school built at the corner of Selby and Franklin Street, which opened in 1878 with her as principal. This was the first such appointment for a female teacher in Nanaimo. 106 girls were enrolled at the school. The school, the school consisted of three rooms built at a cost of $2,500 on five lots purchased from the coal company. Once the girls' school was completed, the other school became the Cray Street Boys' School. So that's a little bit about Margaret. It would not take too long before the Nanaimo Baseball Club uh, was formed and received its first challenger. It came the way of the Quick Step, Quick Step Baseball Club of Wellington. The Quick Step Baseball Club hereby issues a friendly contest either at Wellington or Nanaimo sometime during the present month. It was posted on October 14, 1876 in the Nanaimo Free Press. The baseball match between the Wellington, Wellington Quick Step Club and the Nanaimo Club took place on Saturday afternoon as resulted in an easy victory to the first name club. At the end of the game, the score stood Quick Step 16 and Nanaimo 9. The return match will be played at Wellington from the Nanaimo Press, October 25th, 1876. On December 13th, 1876, members of the club and others desiring to join will please meet at the reading room of Literary Institute on Saturday evening, next at 7 o'clock sharp. Business, elections of officers, and arrangements for the New Year's Ball, the Nanaimo Free Press. Now, Travis, let's talk about this a little bit. So they're electing officers. They're making arrangements to have this New Year's Ball. So to me, it, it kind of sounds like, you know, an Elks Club or like a like VFW, American Legion, or Veterans Club. Just kind of, that's what it kind of sounds like to me. What do you think? Yeah, not only that, but it seems it sounds like they're issuing challenges through the free press, which I don't think is something that we would do today. So it almost feels political in a sense. It's, it's almost like I not only challenge you, but I challenge you in front of God and country. It's uh, a very interesting history of of how they would do things back in those days so it is it's very cool to see this and and read the history yeah exactly as i as i was researching this myself you know i got to like okay this is gentleman's club but then they're, they're they're issuing this and you know they're putting this information out there in newspapers and well i mean the biggest thing that you know i've learned as i've gone along and doing you know the the looking into teams looking into their background looking into the past and especially looking in this this era and time which is in the late 1800s you know the, the the biggest form of communication was the newspaper i mean because at this point there i believe if i'm correct there for most papers that ran on a regular basis there was an e, there was a morning print in the which covered the afternoon prior and then there was a an afternoon print, which, which covered the day's events. Does that sound about right? Yeah, it does. And also it just feels a little bit like what we, what we would use Twitter for, right? I mean, you, you can't be on Twitter all day, but every once in a while you can check in and, and if something pings on your phone and it gives you uh, a news, new breaking news report or something to that effect, you usually check your phone and check in. So it's similar. Um, yeah. And, and the, just having them do it this way, I think, is is pretty cool to see that they were they were throwing it out there, right? And and everybody else could read it too. Um, and I'm sure at that point that you know, it, it, they people were looking at that like, what is this? You know, what is this challenge? It was certainly spark your interest. Yeah, and especially then, and also going on to, hey, are, if you desire to join, please come join. But you know, I got to believe that many of those, based upon what I've Red is who who joined were miners, lumberjacks, and and so on, and, and business owners, which we'll get into a little bit later. But you know, you could see 
why they decided to have the structure because of you know the the time you know wanting to make sure that it it was dress right dress and and that it abide by certain rules and and you know if it's a, a gentleman's club they want to you know they want to make sure that you know people are, are are fit to be there but um you know, I could see because, you know, the miners in, in the area were, would read the newspaper. Lumberjacks would read the newspaper. They don't have they didn't have 24 hour news cycles like like we do now. Right. And the other part of that, too, is a lot of this had you kind of mentioned it, but a lot of these guys were doing this just to stay in shape. I mean, this was their form of exercise. Like we would play pick up basketball or something to that effect. I mean, a lot of people knew that this was something that you could do get a little activity, uh, stay in shape. And they use it like that. And that's, you know, I, I do know um, from some historians, they love to talk about that, that that's, this was a main way that, especially uh, men at that time could just get a little physical activity. It was, it was well known that there were different ways to do it. And baseball just seemed to be the best way to do it. So um, yeah, that's just a, a note. But um, I've heard many historians talk about this this specific time period being being um, that's why ba- that's why baseball started to become so popular. Yeah, exactly. Okay, back to you. Well, so around on or around the May of eighteen eighty nine, May fourth of eighteen eighty nine to be exact, the Nanaimo Courier ran an article with the following. The Nanaimo Baseball Nine sent a petition to the city praying that they would be allowed to use the Deverell Square and permitted to improve a portion of it for that purpose. The alderman said he was strongly in favor of granting the petition. And on May 12, 1889, the Nanaimo Baseball Club was officially recognized and formed by the city of Nanaimo. And, uh, quote, a sound mind is a sound body might be rightly adopted as the motto by our newly formed baseball club, the committee of which we heartily congratulate on the success of their endeavors to promote one of the greatest of the national games of the Anglo-Saxon race. Mr. John Curry, the Nanaimo Courier, May 14, 1889. Now looking at the way that this was written, Travis, let's talk, let's talk about this for a second the the form of writing the the sound of it a sound mind in a sound body might be read might be readily adopted how right. like just i believe that people had a different way and form of writing in the late 1800s i i do i do think it, it's it's it should be mentioned too you know when 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 the batters came to the plate, they weren't looking to knock it out of the park. There really wasn't, there was a park, but there wasn't a fence. Right. And so they were, they were more doing this, you know, to, again, there was, this was a way to stay in shape. It was very competitive, but singles were normal, right? They weren't trying to hit home runs. Usually there wasn't a fence to to hit a home run. You could run all the way around the bases, but you know, you'd have to be in pretty good shape for that. And so, yeah, I think that this was more of a, I, I, my, my vision of it is the old vision of the boxers, you know, the two boxers put their hands up, but they're not playing any defense, right? It just looks like an, like two old boxers. And that's kind of the way it was. Um, but yes, yeah, I, the language is, is really incredible and very formal, right? Um, I don't think they needed to throw in some of the, the language, but you know, that is just the way they spoke at the time. It was the proper way to do it. And it's it just very intriguing. Yeah, there was no lingo like you have today in the 2020s. No, you had to keep it on the straight and narrow and, get, and, and pretty much get to the point of of what you were, you know, what you wanted to say. Yeah. And you know, we had, we had just mentioned briefly, you know, a, a few minutes prior to this converse, this particular conversation that you know, there were articles run to A8 to try to gain interest. Now there was another one run on May 19th, 1889 in the Nanaimo Courier where the Nanaimo baseball club was seeking, you know, interested players to come out and, and join them. And it quote, 
those interested in playing baseball are requested to meet outside the courier office today at 1 p.m., after which a practice will be played on the Caledonian picnic grounds. This, this seems like an uncommon practice. This was not an uncommon practice as we talked about, you know, many other cities and urban areas where there are baseball teams use these types of announcements to recruit players as we, you know, we previously talked about. And unlike today, um, you know, like I said earlier, the, the newspaper was clearly the easiest way for people to communicate with others and spread the word about their topic. And if, if I'm correct, I mean, it seems like these newspapers were, were posted in various different places and where people went, they, it would be in my, am I wrong, Travis, or no? No, I, I think it's exactly right. And also obviously word of mouth and, and uh, you mentioned lumberjacks and miners. And so, I mean, there was all kinds of people that were looking for, an, you know, some, something other than just going to get a pint. And uh, so, I mean, the more things change, the more they stay the same. This was a kind of a good way to, to get something after work to do, um, you know, and, I don't exactly know what their work schedules were like back then, but you hear a lot of stories about guys who got off work and then went to play baseball for the rest of the day, ate dinner, went to bed. So uh, for sure that the, um, as the word spread, uh, the way to get the word usually started from, from these, these newspaper clippings. Yeah. And I had read at one point um, that some people even, got to leave work early to go play. Yep. Yeah. I, that's, that's common too, that if you were on the team, you kind of got some favors. And sometimes I, I, I think you were the one who actually told me when we were discussing that, that sometimes two to three days, you know, they would get off a week to go play baseball if they were good enough. Um, and, and they would even be allowed to travel with some of the, some of the bigger teams. So it was a definitely, it was a definitely big deal. Um, even back then to be, to be good at the game. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, it was definitely good to be good at the game, um, you know, as a whole. And I, you know, I was reading again, like I was reading this particular story um, about that. And, and the guy had talked about, Oh yeah, you know, if, if we were any good at baseball, you know, we would get good. We'd be able to be released um, from, from work to go, uh, to go play baseball and then uh, and even sometimes they you know they get paid to go play mm-hmm. yeah i i'd heard the same thing um but yeah it is interesting uh it it was seen as as something of you know a bit of um there, there was definitely something to be said for somebody who was good and you know they might get some favor from other people for that um uh, like they would today, like a, a major leaguer, but obviously back then that, that wasn't even around. So, but it was the the base of what would become the, the major league. So that's pretty cool. Yeah, exactly. Um, so throughout the early years, actually of the Nanaimo uh, club, the city of Nanaimo was not actually as big as it is, it is as it is today in 2020. Many of the other locations, such as Gabriola, East Wellington, and so on and so forth, were uh, were much smaller cities. And, you know, one example uh, is noted in the Nanaimo Courier on July 30th, 1889. Bradford baseball team met at Shaw's Boathouse and took a trip on the Sloop River on Mount Mr. J. Norton's boat to play Gabriola. On arriving, uh, this is a quote, on arriving at the wharfs, the Bradfords were met by several teams and wagons, which conveyed conveyed them to the house of Mr. J. Gray, where they were entertained most royally, everything possible being done to make them comfortable. But Gabriella team was overmatched, and the game attracted a large crowd. And I guess the number of ladies present was being particular, particularly noticeable. Um, so in this game, five innings were played. Gabriola only scored 10. And then Nanaimo Bradford scored 28. So I, I just want to go back to, because that was all from a newspaper article. 
It's interesting to note that they talk about the number of ladies present being particularly noticeable. Did that not stick out to you? It's like, would that be acceptable today? You know, it reminded me of when I was in high school, which I'm not going to date myself, but it was a long time ago. Harry Carey used to always, always, always talk about um, if there was a lot of ladies at the game or not. So, um, yeah, I think maybe it's just kind of ingrained in the game that if, if there are a particularly large uh, presence of, of of females, you know, it's noticeable. So, yeah, that's a little bit odd. I don't know if it's odd for that time period, but it certainly is, is odd. It would be odd for this time period because it would seem sexist. Um, but Harry Carey used to talk about it all the time and, and he would tell the cameraman, hey, you know, find some some of the girls in the outfield stands so we can, you know, let everybody know they're having a good time too. Yeah. Now it's interesting that we talk about this particular article mentioning ladies in the crowd, but what about ladies on the ball field? So by 1890 in everything that I've saw, saw that baseball in Nanaimo had, had started to become really, really popular not only popular with men, but also popular with women. I found an article titled A Ladies Baseball Club, which ran on July 25th, 1890. It stated, several popular young ladies of this city have expressed their intentions to endeavor to organize a ladies baseball club in this city. The intention is to inform, is to form a first and second nine so that in the event of not receiving any challenges from abroad, they will be able to match one team against the other in a friendly way. Lady baseball teams are becoming very popular, and one of the young ladies remarked, I don't see why the men, they, the men, should have all the fun while the girls stand by and watch them. One thing certain, should the ladies succeed in organizing the teams, they may be sure of large gate receipts. That was... uh, very interesting um, to cool. know. It's cool. Yeah, about, which is really, really yeah. cool. Um, uh, you know, of course, this was before the All-American Girls Professional Baseball League. Um, on a personal note, I hadn't, I, 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 based upon looking at pictures that I've seen that have floated out there, which are far few and in between, um, it, it, it does seem like there was a ladies baseball club that was formed however let's just make it clear that this was all that i found on women's baseball out of nanaimo i I didn't find anything else written which probably could go back to the time where and let me just say where a woman was expected to be at home and doing her thing and, and basically seen not heard so just seems to me that it was good for the time, you know, at this moment for to run this article, but I it just there was nothing else afterwards. So I would I would bet that in yeah, I would bet that in smaller pockets and and obviously this being one of them, because I I believe that this this happened, you know, that that ladies baseball popped up here and there. Um it, there's actually a movement for it now. There's something called baseball for all. And I think anybody that's played baseball their whole life, you know, when they were a kid, probably, I want to say between the age of eight and 10, usually there's always one girl that she stops playing baseball and you don't know why, because she was usually the best player on the team. You know what I mean? So um, this doesn't surprise me at all, but it is interesting because we know, we know the league, you know, about the story of the league, a league of their own great story. Um, But yeah, I mean, I don't think a league of their own would have happened if there hadn't been like, like this particular story, some pockets of women or ladies wanting to, to be, to play the big, the game of baseball. So they were truly pioneers. And I, I think whether we have any information on them or not, I think it's just a really cool side note that, that this happened. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So moving on, April 30th, 1895, the Nanaimo Baseball Club entered the Provin- Provincial Baseball League. And by 
1898, the Nanaimo Club, like many others, started to receive newer players, not from the area. We believe, or on or about this time, that uh, the time frame in which semi-pro baseball in the area started to really take off. And our reasoning for that comes from a Nanaimo Free Press article on April 30th, 1898, which states, the team this year has been strengthened by several additional players from the States. Further, another article on the same day stated, owing to so much enthusiasm being showed, the club has decided to form a second team, which will be under the direct supervision of the first team. And as we talked about earlier, the teams assembled included people from all walks of life. Um, another, another quote, uh, from the Nanaimo Free Press. Several of the stores along Commercial Street were closed this afternoon to enable the businessmen to take part in the baseball game on the cricket grounds. And that was uh, posted in the Nanaimo Free Press on August 13th, uh, 18, 1898. So clearly there's more enthusiasm at this point, you know, and it's not too far down the road from but basically when, when they started to get this going, um, you know, especially if you consider uh how long things take you know and 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 even in today's you know age how long if even if like you get a new franchise in baseball it takes a little while for that to to gain steam so this this got going um and obviously the people of Nanaimo really yeah. really really loved it exactly and, and you could see that you know by some of this and people coming up that it it was becoming serious i i, I doubt honestly i doubt what you know that if people would be coming from the United States to Canada, even though it's not that far away up in Nanaimo, but, but still it's, you know, it's 70 miles or so North of uh, Victoria, British Columbia, but then you got to take a ferry to get across and, you know, it's just a different time frame, and it, it took a little bit longer to get there than it would today. So I'll leave it at this, that, if they weren't serious enough to go up to, to go up there and play, they wouldn't. So this means to me that there was some serious ball being played, and that's why people from the states came. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Something was happening there. Obviously, you know, again, they didn't have the the media that we have today or the the means of communication, but somehow, some way, they found a way to get people fired up that to come in and not just watch games but to actually you know players actually come and play uh enough to get a second team um so nanaimo's no joke and baseball is in the blood of nanaimo so that's uh, and partly that's why we're discussing this but uh, going over the history is, is pretty cool exactly now we had just literally hit on women playing baseball now here here's another example of women playing baseball that Again, I, I think that Canada is a bit more forward thinking in, in, in some times, but you know, for this particularly, I thought it was really interesting. And this is from the Nanaimo Free Press on June 29th, 1900. The next games of baseball here will take place on the 10th of July when the Black Diamonds will cross bats with the Bloomer Girls, an aggregation of female players from California who are touring the country and playing a good game. Now, this was before a league of their own, and there was a bloomer. There were bloomer girls baseball teams. Um, you know, there, we we have talked personally about there being Negro League baseball teams that were with like Satchel Paige and some others that also barnstormed within the United States. Well, not only were there Negro right. League players barnstorming, there were these bloomer girls who were barnstorming the United States, going into Canada, and this was. This took place between 1890 and 1934, mainly, and they mainly played local town, semi-pro, and minor league teams. And they were named after the loose-fitting trousers they wore in the fashion of from Amelia Jinks Bloomer. And the team was, again, made up of single young women who earned a living playing baseball. And on a side note, Amelia Bloomer was an American women's rights and temperance advocate, which I found was really, really interesting. So yeah. again, advocating um, for women being able to play baseball. 
Yeah, and and as discussed previously, uh, uh, traveling to and from games during this time period was wasn't easy, right? I mean, so the women, uh, anytime you have a barnstorming tour, obviously it's traveling around, but this this could not have been um, an e- an easy stop, right? Um, but this also included matchups with nearby cities who wanted to to test a team against the Nanaimo Baseball Club. Uh, for example, here's a, a, a quote from the Cumberland News on May 29, 1901. Strong efforts are being made to induce the Nanaimo baseball team to visit us on the 1st of July. They're playing our boys. We'll be making of the sports, which is a very interesting quote. Uh, but obviously, the, 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 there's more challenges. The, the, Nanaimo, the Nanaimo, Nanaimo baseball team is obviously on the map. Uh, that game actually never materialized due to travel issues. Again, a hard place to get in and out of, um, but uh, obviously they're, again, people are, are calling them out. They want to play this team. Um, and that was followed up with the unexpected match as baseball did not materialize owing to the Nanaimos being unable to procure transportation. This was a great disappointment to most people and no doubt caused many people who would have attended to seek pleasure elsewhere that particular day. It is hoped, however, to get a game with the Nanaimo Nine at a future date. And that was the Cumberland News as well, July 3rd, 1901. Yeah, and then several days later after that, Travis, there was a a follow-up explanation that was run in a newspaper article. uh, In, quote, the following explains the failure of Nanaimo teams attending the first celebration. So this was geared towards, hey, let's invite Nanaimo. Let's have them face our boys. It's to help celebrate the first celebration in Cumberland. And this was run um, on June 27th, 1901. And it was to Mr. J.K. Ashman. Dear sir, in answer to yours of the 23rd, I must state that the boat, Thistle, being in the dry dock, will make it most impossible for us to get up there on the 1st. For as far as getting one of the other boats is concerned, it is out of the question. The company will want from $150 to $200 to run up there that day on account for of running excursions to Vancouver and other places. So unless the thistle runs, we won't be able to get up there before August, at least on account of the games booked ahead. So, hoping for a game in August and wishing you every success. I remain yours respectfully, Joseph Hardy, uh, Secretary to Nanaimo Baseball Club. End quote. And then another piece is, is that the long looked, they long looked for the match between the Nanaimo Nine and the Cumberland Stripes took place on Friday with the result that they visitors defeated us with a score of 17 to 5. It was tough, but the boys were beaten. And that is all there is to it. The Nanaimo played a good, clean game throughout, and a pleasant afternoon was the result, even if we were licked. The Cumberland News, August 21st, 1901. So I, lo- I love that because there's no great. excuses, right? I mean, they were beat. That's all there is to it. <laughs> and we were, you know, it was a pleasant afternoon, but we were licked. Um, what was more interesting, though, too, is that they took that Joseph Hardy took time and maybe the, the club did too as a combined unit, but they took time to write a letter and, and post it in the newspaper. Uh, you wouldn't, you wouldn't hear, I mean, hear that today. I mean, but it would be just picking up the phone call, but for it to have be posted in a newspaper, I mean, that that's, that's pretty cool. What do you think? Well, I think there's, I, I think these are important things to note because of the anticipation of the event. Um, you know, when, when you are reading the paper and you're getting ready for something, then it doesn't happen. Then, then you realize that there's going to be, it's, it's still going to happen, but they're kicking the can down the road. Um, and then it finally does happen. And, you know, it, 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 it's, it's an event. It's something that has, has been on the books for a while. And, and, you know, when you, when you look at what the costs were, that's probably, that's, a lot of money back in those days. So if you go back and think about the barnstorming women, like 
somebody must have been that they must have been a really good show because I think that somebody got them to there for the, for whatever, the concessions, the tickets, whatever. So this just proves how important Nanaimo was or tied to baseball and vice versa. Um, because there's no way a group of girls from California would, would travel all the way up there, barnstormers or not, um, unless there was, you know, a, a good reason for it. And so, yeah, I think, um, yeah, I just think it's, I think it's incredible. But I really feel that, in, you know, all of this buildup for this one particular game um, is, is incredibly cool. Yeah, and the, and the fact that it, the fact that it actually happened, and they're like, okay, we well we're we're kind of booked up right now, but hey, we'll, we'll get back to you. And then they went up, and um, you know, they they had the game, so good for them. And I just thought that that was really really interesting. Yeah, yeah. Well, and another thing that it brings up is is that um, there was also uh, there was another league. It was just a city league in Nanaimo. And they had teams such as the Elks, Owls, and Native Sons, and they played at the cricket grounds. Um, and this was brought up in the Nanaimo Free Press on August 3rd, 1921. The Elks and Owls met on the cricket grounds late last evening in a City League baseball game. And after battling for seven innings, the former were the victor by the close score of five to four. The game was very even all through throughout neither team having more than one run lead during the game. The Owls secured the most hits, but were not, unable to connect when a hit meant runs. The Elks, although they only got six hits during the game, were more timely and were helped out by some errors by the Owls. Allen wins in the box for the Owls and pitched pass. Eastham, Dud, the hurler for the Elks, and although he was never hit harder than Allen, his support was better, and he tightened up when any runners were on base. The Owls having left seven men le left on base. Killen was being the plate for the Owls and made a very good showing. So that is just extremely descriptive of the game. You know, you, I, nobody would write that today, right? There would be a ton no. more fluff. It, it would not sound anything like that, which, you know, and, and that was kind of hard to even read. It's hard to clunk through that. It is. It's written, again, it goes back to the writing style. It, it, the writing, I think the writing style would actually do really well today <laughs> because yeah. it's so blunt. And, and I, I, I think, it, I think it is good, but. And I wanted um, to go back. I wanted to go back to, so looking at that, um, that $200 that we're, we're, we're doing, trying to think about what that calculates out to. So yeah, I, I just did, I went on in the internet. Yes. We, we, we had the internet and on our phones and stuff like that. So I went on and I jumped on, and I'm like, okay, well, what's that, what's that conversion rate? So, um, so about, $200 in, in the year 1900 calculated out to now. Um, and again, this is just a rough guesstimate based upon what, what this particular sequence is running would be about $6,014 and 40 cents today. Yeah. 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 And probably because they were ha going to have to take a ferry and a bus and, you know, like there was probably a lot of stuff going on, you, you know, it's, think of, of a big truck and putting your you know every all the weight and everything else because i'm sure they would they, they would have to go on a ferry i i think that just makes sense um but uh yeah i i'm glad you mentioned that actually because it, it is it's again i think talk going back to how did other teams get there or, you know i think i think there must have been something where they got some favor to go and play in Nanaimo. i think that I, I don't know that for a fact, but it seems to me like it it benefited both sides, right? If if a team could come in and play in Nanaimo, it benefited in Nanaimo, and it benefited the other team because they were going to go go into a place where people love baseball. Exactly, and then I mean, what about this Owls Ball Club? I mean, in all the research, it you know they 
they clearly, along with the other three, they clearly kept popping up everywhere about the nineteen early nineteen yeah. twenties and onward. Yeah, I think we we only mentioned three names of the clubs that you know that those are the three that uh, kind of dominate in this history. But the Owls were definitely the club that that appeared to dominate in the city league. Um, in 1921, actually, the um, D. Spencer Trophy was awarded to the Owls, and that that's the trophy that's given the team who wins the city championship. Uh, well, that particular year, the, they won the city championship along with the Spalding medals, um, which I think the Spal anything that you hear Spalding in those days was was a really big deal. Yeah, because yeah. Spalding. This could be, you know, you see Spalding on balls and everything, but Spalding actually was, um, especially in the late, uh, well, in the, between 1890 and, and 1920, he was uh, a huge, a huge part of all sports, but baseball specifically. Yeah. Well, to, to, to moving forward to, to conclude, cause I know that, you know, we're, we're really hitting on some finer points right now, um, you know, of the history of, of baseball in Nanaimo. I mean, you know, the notes that Travis and I are, are, are looking at are, are roughly six and a half pages, but the reality of it is, is I've from when it, when it was first founded in the early, like the 1870s to when we're kind of where we're at with the 1921. And, you know, we, we definitely skipped over a bunch, but I mean, there was a lot of, there's a lot of newspaper articles. There's, there's a lot of information that's out there. It's just, it's very time consuming to, to come by um, and to, uh, you know, put together. And, and so we, we just tried to, to do our part to take and, and put together the, the finer qualities of, of baseball and to really kind of tell that story. Would you say so, Travis? Yeah, and I would say that you know I'm sure there is another Nanaimo out there, and but but when we were doing this kind of research, there are people who actually specialize in this, and they had they had um, websites, and and we're so thankful for them. But at the same time, we we were doing a deep dive, and you could click on a link that would go to another link that would go to another link, so it, we could do nine hours on the history. <laughs> of Nanaimo baseball we're we're really um and Ben is just you know giving credit where credit is due Ben is really the one who's been you know helping to kind of narrow this down to the most important things and 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 hit on some really interesting articles that were written but this is so much information and that just tells you again how big baseball was in this time frame um for for Nanaimo and and uh you know Canada doesn't get enough credit for baseball. A lot of places don't get enough credit for baseball, but I think specifically Canada and and this area don't get enough credit for being really, really into and, and really good at baseball. Exactly, and and if and as we get to the later part of this inning of inning two, um, I would say it'd be unfair of us uh, to conclude without. Um, talking about the rivalry between Nanaimo and Victoria. And again, oh, sure. through the research and as Travis has also seen, and many of you who are listening to this either, you know, soon or in the future, um, you can see just by looking at the newspaper articles and, and looking at some of the information that has, that's out there, there was a rivalry between Nanaimo and Victoria. Um, However, I just want to hit on the you know the first game we found on record in newspapers, and it could have been a little bit earlier than this, but what we were found in recorded history was that it took place on June eighteenth, eighteen seventy nine, when the quote picked nine from the steamer Chester took on Victoria. The game was fairly contested, resulting in a victory for the Chester nine. That was in the Nanaimo Free Press on June 18th, 1879. And the score of the game ended up being the Chester 9-9 nine, nine, and Victoria 5. Well, we'll have to edit this part out, but the Vancouver team made arrangements. What is that another? That's another game, correct? Yes. 
Okay. Because we were just talking about the the rivalry, so I want to make sure I don't lose the rivalry part. Yeah, and just talk. You know, we're still talking about it, but this, you know, this one would be going into another game. Okay. Okay. So, going. I'll do a pause, and then I'll start in on on this. Yeah, but other than uh, you know the the Vic, the uh, rivalry between Nanaimo and and Victoria, there's also the Vancouver teams. So, uh, you know, there was, uh, for instance, there was a Vancouver team that made arrangements for a special boat to carry them to the city, but the arrangements had fell through and therefore they were compelled to come on a regular boat. Uh, and that particular game took place on the, uh, at the cricket grounds. And in this game, trailing 11 to eight, Nanaimo erupted for 12 runs in the sixth inning to take a 20 to 16 slugfest over Vancouver at Nanaimo. These teams combined for 41 hits, 36 runs, and 17 errors. 13 by Vancouver errors, and six by second baseman Billy Holmes. <laughs> so this is actually <laughs> something like that... So, uh, you know, first of all, they, they came by regular boat because they weren't they weren't going to miss this game. God bless them. That's, that's amazing. Played on the cricket grounds, and then you heard the stats, but but they had to throw in this. This is obviously from an article, but six six by second baseman Billy Holmes. Everybody that plays baseball knows when when a guy starts making error, the baseball finds them. So Billy Holmes, I am so sorry that that happened to you, but it's happened to the best. <laughs> it has. Uh, moving on, because there's actually a little bit more about this game. Catcher O'Connor, great name, led the winners with two doubles, three singles, and five runs. Every batter in the game except for one, and it was probably Billy Holmes, uh, had at least one hit. And that is from the Nanaimo Free Press. Uh, and I, we, we said the date earlier, correct? Well, anyway, it was around that time of 1879. Yeah, so, it was around that yeah, time. So we're just, so, you know, again, we're we're going back to the first couple games of the rivalry because we do, the point being that there was not just a rivalry with Victoria, that was the main rivalry, but also Vancouver wanted to flex their muscles. So they would often come over and, and uh, see what they could do, but go home uh, not feeling so, so tough anymore. Yeah. And, and let's go back to the, the rivalry with Victoria and we'll finish it up with this is that on uh, the Nanaimo free press on July 29th, 1899 ran this particular article and it said baseball, game between Nanaimo and Victoria played at the cricket grounds to decide the championship of the island. As of the printing of the newspaper, three innings had been played and Nanaimo was winning one to nothing. And so we could see, you know, obviously clearly we put in Vancouver because, you know, they play Vancouver, but I don't think that that the games with Vancouver lasted as long as those with Victoria. Right. Um, yeah. And so, you know, those that continued, you know, continued on. Um, I know Vancouver eventually went in and um, played in the Northwest League when that was formed. And, and then, so then there was then Victoria and Nanaimo who still played one another. So, you know, it definitely went down to over the years these two particular teams, meaning Nanaimo and Victoria, they were back and forth to determine who reigned supreme over the island. I mean, that's what that's what I read into the history. It was just really between those teams in a, at a semi-pro level. Um, you know, yeah, and, and well, and I, I want to say too that you know it, it it remains today, which is you know I know we're going to yes. talk a little West Coast League. I I just think um, talking to the people that we've talked to, talked to which has just been so rewarding. Uh, they've been waiting for this for a long time. Uh, their, their intention is that they're going to be better than the Harbor Cats. Um, and they are excited to welcome whomever. Uh, exactly. Is yeah. Going to represent uh, Nanaimo and they don't care who it is because once they know that once they get there, there's something in the water, right? There's mm -hmm. something where you're going to get there and, and you're going to play just a little bit harder against the Harbor cats because you're going to, you're going to be 
uh, a ball player in Nanaimo. I mean, there's just no way better way to say it, right? You're going to feel the rivalry like it, like as if you were a Dodger versus a, a Giant or, or yep. Red Sox versus Yankees. So, um, I, I think that's definitely going to come come to pass, and and I'm excited to. Gosh, I can't just, I just can't wait. Uh, yeah, exactly. And make baseball being not being around is making me sad, but yeah, but it'll, it'll be here soon enough. Yeah. And you know, what we've just talked about in this inning again is more of a, a, a summary of a deep dive that we did in to the history. And we, this inning, the intent of this was to focus solely on the early stages and that, that formation and to show you, Hey, you know, there is this rivalry between Victoria and Nanaimo. And again, like Travis just brought up, you know, with the creation of the baseball team in the West coast league in Nanaimo, it's clearly going to, and it already has begun to reignite the competition between the two cities at a higher level of baseball. And I'm really looking forward, forward to that. That'll do it for this inning of Cobalt. Next inning, we will be discussing a little bit further a deep dive into the 1940s of baseball. And we'll be talking about VIU. Katie, Katie was baseball mad, had the fever and had it bad. Just to root for the hometown through every zoo. Katie Blue. Thanks.